You're tuning in to the Bookmatic's Best Book Podcast, where you will discover author secrets from books that'll make you feel, grow, and learn. These authors are from all over the world, all different backgrounds, and you are sure to learn a whole lot from their personal experiences. So please enjoy, subscribe, and let's get into it. Hey, Bookmatic Lifelong Learners. We have a great guest here for this uh, episode. We have Gregory Deal. Uh, He's the author of The Heroic and Exceptional Minority, which is one of his newest books. And as you can see behind you, if you're, or behind me, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see The Influential Author, which is a book that I read in 2020, I believe. And uh, both books are quite amazing. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I would love for Gregory to talk a little bit about himself. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for being such a big fan of my work. It's um, because I, I always feel like I write in such a way that I will appeal very highly to a specific type of person, but possibly not at all to general audiences, which can either be a very good or a very bad thing. So when I meet somebody who really likes more than one book I've written, it's like, okay, this is obviously the kind of person I was intending to write for. They they get what I'm trying to, to do. Not just the things I write about, but the way I write can be very specific. I don't know, even esoteric. So uh, people want a better look. This is the most recent book, The Heroic and Exceptional Minority. Uh, and it's about exactly what the title implies that it's about heroic and exceptional people and the previous one the influential author which is all about writing and publishing what i call non-fiction books that matter or meaningful messages in the form of non-fiction books yeah yeah i mean i know you've got like several books out there as well right uh you've written uh you've written one on traveling if i'm not mistaken right yes that was travel is transformation my second book which is also about exactly what the title implies uh, how, how to achieve personal transformation through mm-hmm. world travel because i did that for a really long time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not and so much got- anymore for the last three years i've been in one place in a village house in armenia Mm-hmm. it's been a very yeah, different I, experience i've seen some of the the pictures that you've posted on instagram and uh yeah it looks like a, a interesting place to live uh you live what what out in the countryside or i live about an hour from a, a medium-sized town where i actually go twice a week to teach free english classes to young people because the english education in this country is just atrocious uh, but yeah i'm out in the in a village of about a hundred people which for me is is a good level of social isolation. You've still got neighbors there if you need to lift something heavy or your car breaks down or whatever. So it's not complete isolation in the woods or something, but uh, it's it's nice because I do feel like I'm kind of on the edge of the world here. Mm-hmm. Must be good for writing as well, right? It can be, yes. <laughs> Although I do, you know, when I go into town, I still like to work from cafes and stuff for a few hours because that kind of environment can be stimulating in a different way but I do like to feel like I'm in control of my life. And for me, that means I need to spend most of my time away from people. 
Yeah, yeah. I've I've noticed that about your both of your books, even though like the influential author is all about writing and then the heroic and exceptional minority, like both of them have kind of the same vibe, even though they are, you know, totally different topics. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that you differentiate that, uh, that when you're writing. So um, yeah, that's, that's awesome. And you got another book coming out later uh, this year, right? 2022? Hopefully very soon within a couple of months, it's, it's in the final editing and audio narration stages now. So it's called Everyone is an Entrepreneur, subtitle to be determined. And it's it's about universal entrepreneurial principles as they apply to everything in life, not just the starting of a business or making money, though obviously there too. And most of it was inspired by living here in Armenia and to some degree other developing countries too I've been to, of just observing how different our paradigm is about what entrepreneurship is, about self-determination and achieving conscious goals in life, uh, about how to take control of your life. And uh, it's a world of a difference between growing up in America, California, where I'm from, and in most of the developing nations I've been to, and specifically here in Armenia, a post-Soviet country, where only 30 years ago did communism fall and people finally gained even the ability to act entrepreneurially without going to prison or getting executed. And so just observing how it's affected specifically the young people who under 30, who didn't live in the Soviet Union, but being raised by their parents and grandparents who did, they're, they're, it's a fairly intelligent group of people here. Like they're, they're very skilled, they're very aware of things, which isn't always true in every country, but they still have like this, this self-imposed psychological prison where they are afraid to try new things. They don't have any self-confidence. It's, it's quite tragic. So the book is really about assessing why that is, how it applies to everyone in any country, and how to look at the world from an entrepreneurial perspective and therefore gain more control over your life and what you want to accomplish, which might include making more money. Sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now that sounds like a type of book that I definitely would want to read. And hopefully uh, some of the audience as well, listening and watching would want to read that as well. And it kind of ties in with the, with this book, the heroic and exceptional minority, right? Yes. I was going to say when when you said I I write about many different things on the surface, that's true. I, I wrote a book about travel. I wrote a book about branding. I wrote a book about how to write books. Now I wrote an esoteric philosophy book about being a heroic and exceptional person. Those all sound like very, very different things, right? But there are definitely common thematic threads through all of them. Like the way I describe being a heroic person is very much in line with the way I also talk about having an entrepreneurial perspective on life, which is about uh, taking control over your environment to create your values in the world as as you see them, right? To create order and structure in life. That's literally what an entrepreneur is doing by starting a business, for example. They're creating a new type of product or service, a type of value in a structured and efficient way to improve the world for people. And they make money by doing that. Uh, And so it's really just like a slightly different focus of the same principles in in almost all the books I write. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, so I'm very excited for you. I'm also very excited to read it soon, hopefully. Um, But yeah, uh, so tell me a little bit of the reason why you decided to write the heroic and exceptional minority. 
Uh, it was mostly born out of frustration, I think. This is, that's actually the book I worked the longest on, which is odd because it's not particularly long. It's only about 50,000 words or 200 pages. The influential author was more than twice that, but it, it didn't take me as long to write. And it, it's, it's like the story really of me coming to understand my place in the world. The, these, these repeated uh, frustrations, difficulties, obstacles, and opportunities that as the kind of person I am, I, I just didn't see that well represented in the world. There are very few people I, for example, could look up to as, as positive mentors in my life, either as a teenager or even as a young adult when I started traveling around the world, mostly alone. And this raises a very good question. Why? Am I the only person in the world having these kinds of experiences? Am I the only one who thinks about these kinds of things? Why isn't this better represented in the world? And I even give the example in the introduction of the book that really the places I saw these kinds of values and philosophical inquiries best represented was in popular movies, oddly enough. Certain kinds of movies like Star Wars with the hero's journey or the Lion King or or certain superheroes. I saw clearly the people who, who wrote this knew what they were doing. Like they intentionally inserted these kinds of values here, these kinds of struggles this character is going to have to go through, the lessons they're going to have to learn. So why aren't real people talking about these things? If, if clearly there's mm -hmm. an awareness, at least on like the cultural level of the importance of these things. Why aren't we talking about this more? Why, why do people almost seem intimidated if you bring this sort of thing up in a real world context and, and say, yes, this applies to you and, and the journey you're on as an individual? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, such an interesting topic because uh, I think you're right that a lot of people maybe do avoid it or when they do talk about uh, about it, maybe uh, people become a little bit uncomfortable or or get uh, defensive, right? Mm -hmm. Has that ever happened? Yeah, very much so. Almost like people are afraid to, to think of their lives as being a responsibility. It's like too much importance, too much of a burden to take on. Right, right. Yeah, and I mean, I think the title does your book justice because uh, there are a lot of exceptional people out there, but it's quite like a minority of people yeah. out there, you know. So uh, yeah, the title does it does it justice. And I, I feel when I'm when I'm reading through your book, it's a very reflective type of writing. Uh, each chapter is very short, two pages long, mm -hmm. uh, and how many chapters? Like thirty seven chapters, thirty eight six. Yeah, 36 chapters, uh, 148 pages, the copy that I have. So yeah, it's actually not that short of, or not that long of a read, but actually it, it took me a while to get through it because I related to a whole lot of it. And uh, it's as if you were speaking directly to me through your book. Um, so uh, also I like the fact that you wrote in the very beginning that uh, take, take these words as a grain of salt, right? Uh, yeah. Because these are like your thoughts, right? So you're speaking to me uh, or you're speaking to the reader. And um, yeah, I just feel like I can interpret this the way that I want to interpret it. And then uh, take the takeaways and apply them in my life the way that I want to apply them. But yeah, I can definitely relate to the way that you wrote it. And uh, it's, a book that I will go to again as kind of a, just a reflective process to ask myself 
these types of questions every day and reflect on uh, the actions that I'm taking and the, the way that I'm doing things. So yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, actually that, that's that part you mentioned of sort of warning people like um, this is not gospel. This is not taking every word I say and apply these rules in your life to be like me or anything like that. That's actually one of the last things I added to the book when I was editing it, because I realized there's a lot of potential for misreading here. When you talk about anything with really potentially deep philosophical connotations or, or implications, someone can always take something you say out of context and say, oh, well, clearly this guy's trying to tell me how to live my life. This guy's trying to say the things I care about aren't important. Or this guy's trying to start a cult. And is, especially because the book was primarily aimed at young people, because young people tend to be in, in the most reflective and rapidly developing stage of their life, trying to figure out who they are. And so there's always a danger that that people in that state can misread what you intend if you're giving really heavy, weighty advice. And and so I, I didn't want anyone to read this and misinterpret what I was trying to do or trying to say. I'm not trying to convince anyone. You should see the world I do. You should make the choices I do or anything like that. I'm saying if you are the kind of person who sees the world anything like this and has these kinds of thoughts and problems, you will probably see a lot of truth in what I'm saying here because you're, you, you will observe many of the same things and reach many of the same conclusions. If you don't, that's okay. You know, Maybe that chapter or this whole book just isn't for you. That's fine. But if you are the right kind of person, you'll probably walk away with, with more clarity in your life after reading this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like it's a book that people should approach again and again, just to kind of drill that message into their, their mind. I know you're not trying to like <laughs> brainwash people or anything like that, but yeah, like, uh, like I said, it's a reflective type of writing. So uh, I, or philosophical, as you said earlier. So who would you say this book is for? Like I personally saw it as uh, like more people that, outcast type of people people who don't really feel like they fit in or people who have uh gone about their life but then realize that they're stuck or maybe they're on a plateau and they need some sort of like push to get off that plateau so who yeah who would you define this book for well um outcasts are definitely one group of people this is good for uh but not everyone who is an outsider is necessarily an outcast many people actually do a great job of fitting in in society even if they feel fundamentally different in fact not to sound sexist but it's often uh young women who tend to blend in better in society i think there's an inherent level of greater social acceptance for women than for men I'm, i'm not sure all the reasons why that is and it's certainly not an absolute rule but I've talked to many young women my age or, or teenagers or in their 20s, I'm 33 now, and um, who, when we talk about these kinds of things, or if they've read the book, they'll say, like, I've always felt this way, and I've never been sure, like, what to do about it, because my life is comfortable, my family treats me well, I, I have lots of friends, I have a comfortable job, and I, I've never felt like my, my situation was desperate, but I've always felt like I wanted more, or there was something more, or the way that I saw things was different than other people. Whereas young men are much more likely, either because society will treat them more harshly if they don't conform to how they're supposed to be acting, or maybe they're just 
more brazen. I was very brazen. I started traveling alone when I was 18, uh, just because I felt like I had to do that. I just needed to get out of California. I needed to get away from my parents. I needed to see what the world was made of. Um, and so I, I think people who are driven to extremes like that will also get a lot from this, hopefully. And hopefully they're the kind of people who won't interpret this as like, well, the world will never understand me. So let's tear down the world because the world is flawed and broken. I'm saying, yes, the world absolutely is flawed and broken, but the way to address that, if you want to be a heroic person, I use that term very intentionally, is to build orders, to build structures, to improve the way the world works, not just to attack it because you don't agree with it or you happen to be different than it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I like the way that you state that. Don't attack it, approach it, think about it, try to understand it, mm -hmm. do things, right? To, to take uh, action towards your own heroic self. Actually, how do you define heroic? Um, I do, I do give a short definition somewhere yeah. in the book. Um, yeah, I think I remember that you did. <laughs> I, I define both heroic and exceptional because, and I felt very strongly when trying to arrive at the title of the book, at first, I was just going with like, okay, the exceptional individual, is that descriptive enough? What does that mean? And I realized I had to include both the terms heroic and exceptional, because it's ultimately, it's about the combining of those two things. Exceptional people are ones who are just no, notably different than the norms of their society in some way. It could be that they're smarter. It could mean that they're more skilled in some unignorable way. It could be that they have a very different perspective on things. Uh, it could be that they're just unaccepted by their society, especially if they grow up in a really restrictive society that really strongly encourages conformity. Uh, California is not that kind of place so much, which is interesting that that's where I'm from, because California is probably one of the most open and difference encouraging places in the world. But what if you grow up in Iraq or Saudi Arabia or China or something where conformity is such a big part of the culture? It's very easy to be exceptional by definition there, because all you have to do is be different than the people who tend to all be the same around you. And heroic then being somebody who uh, seeks to become the embodiment of their values in, an, in a structured and ordered kind of way. That's what I meant by the word heroic, which includes the, the colloquial idea of uh, saving cats from trees or, or helping people, being a good person, being the Superman type figure, if that's what your value is. That's what makes someone a superhero, that they are willing to undergo great risk or hardship or overcome obstacles to do what is important to them to embody their values, which might include saving people you love, might include um, starting a kind of business that really helps you do what you want to do in the world, to create a very specific kind of, why am I teaching English for free in town? I drive an hour out of my way to do that. Uh, it's not for like fame or something. It's, it's because I see there is a problem here I, it annoys me, it hurts me <laughs> that the level of English education is so bad in this country and I'm in a unique position to do something about it because I know these children's lives will be 10 times better if they can speak conversationally fluent English, they can have 10 times as many job opportunities, they can travel to so many more places, they can make so many more friends. And nobody here seems to understand that except me for some reason. It's, it's crazy. So being 
what I call a heroic person, I have to become the embodiment of those values because I'm in a position where it's necessary and it will hurt my soul if I don't. Right, right. That's a really good definition of heroic right there. Yeah, I mean, right it, and it's, it's a burden because <laughs> wouldn't it, my life be easier if I could just not care about that? If, if I could be aware of it and say, okay, well, sucks for them. The school right. system here is broken, you know, and it'll be a different thing for everyone. That's just the thing my brain latched on to, partially because of how I see the world, partially because of the skill set and knowledge that I have. And everyone will have a different perspective, different knowledge, different skills. And so there will be a different thing that sticks out to them as I need to fix this. This is wrong. This is broken. And I, I'm going to do everything I can to fix it, even if it seems like I'm trying in vain, in futility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's uh, definitely inspiring and powerful, I think. So yeah, for sure. Uh, what was the, I had another thought here. Oh yeah. Your, your book definitely uh, like, it seems as though there's a emotional feeling of struggle when reading the book. Like, I don't know if you wrote that purposely, purposefully mm -hmm. or, um, yeah, just can you tell us a little bit about that, like maybe some of the struggles that you've been through or some of the successes that you've been through that helped you write the book in that tone? Emotional yeah, well, struggle um, and success, right? Yes, actually, it's funny. When, when I was doing beta reading for early drafts of this book, some of the people who know me casually agreed to help me read and improve the book. And some of them are surprised by how intense the tone of the book is, that there's not a lot of humor or joy in it. To some degree there is. I talk about things like the, the reward that comes from becoming an embodiment of your value, but a lot of it is like, this is difficult shit. This is, this is hard. This requires a lot of self-reflection and potentially torture, depending on what your definition of that is. And not because I'm saying you should try to make your life more difficult, but because you might be the kind of person where your life is difficult as a result of seeing things this way. For me, a lot of that came from seeing the way the world worked when I was traveling around it. I've been to about 55 countries now, and a lot of them were lots of fun, including Indonesia. I, I enjoyed hanging out on the, on the beach in Bali, uh, but some yeah. of them really challenged my understanding of how the world worked of what horrible things human beings were capable of and, and just how broken things really are. China is the most noteworthy for me. I actually talk about this extensively in, in Travel as Transformation where, where I learned from living and being part of the education system in China that there's, there's so many things wrong with the way the majority of human beings teach children how to live and think and structure societies that it's it really is like like a mental prison like being in the matrix to give a timely example since the matrix resurrections recently came out and so few of them can see it when they're inside it but as an outsider it's much easier to come in and say you're doing this all wrong no no this is horrible how can you not see what you're doing and and i don't want to condemn people who see the world this way to a life of constant struggle and constantly just seeing what's wrong with everything because there should also be reward and joy and levity and, and humor 
And I, I think most people who know me in person know me as like a comical, fun guy. I tell a lot of jokes. I make a lot of puns. I, I try to help people. But I'm also a very serious and intense guy. And this, this book was an opportunity for a lot of that seriousness to come out, not in a way that would just disturb the general public that doesn't want to see that side of me, but for people who would be attracted to this kind of book for that reason. Okay. Okay, cool. So uh, generally, uh, your travels have had that big impact on you. So that's like one of the reasons why you kind of yes. wrote in that yeah. tone. But because of the way I traveled, you know, not everyone who travels yeah. is going to have the same experiences. And of course, not everyone is me and will have the same problems I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. True, true. There was also a sense of hope in your book too. Like you did mention that, yes, there's positive things. So I definitely noticed the sense of hope. It's not all dread. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's, not it's all kind dread. of balanced. You can't have hope until you have the struggle because the hope is the overcoming of the struggle. If everything mm -hmm. is just fine, theory. everything is easy, success is guaranteed, then it doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the sense of hope uh, amongst the world that is going a very wrong way, I think you mentioned something about the world. Uh, I forget exactly what it was, but there's a lot of wrong things. Of course, there's a lot of wrong things happening in the world, but uh, it's not all bad, right? No, of course not. not and, I mean, and, and honestly, you know, like misanthropes like me who love to complain about the state of society, it's not like I can think of a better time period that I'd rather be living in. You know, I, I'm pretty sure most things just get worse the further back in time you go, uh, sociologically, technologically. So, you know, I, I'm the kind of person who was born 500 years too early, I think, because I have this hopeless idealism about the way the world should be working. Yet mm -hmm. here I am stuck in the present. And so the only option for someone like me to do is to try to make the world the better way that I want it to be. And mm -hmm. you can you can see that happen in small ways. If I'm teaching English and I see these children or even the adults I teach to suddenly get a lot better at English and they have more opportunities in life because I helped them do that that's rewarding. Good. There's a small success. And can we scale up our successes? Well, that's kind of an entrepreneurial concept, isn't it? How can I have the biggest possible impact from my actions instead of just doing the same thing over and over again? Uh, maybe someday thousands of people will have bought this book and some of them will have read it and it will have profoundly impacted their life. And I may never even know about that because it's not like I have a live feed of, of everyone who reads my book and has a profound thought because of it, uh, you being an exception to that. I can at least see that you've liked the book. Great. But I know that most of the people who ever read this book, I, won't, I will not directly know how it has affected them. Right. And so I just have to hope that I am doing something good by at least providing some kind of positive influence in this scalable format called a book, which of course, is one of the topics in the influential author. Why write a meaningful book? Well, because you can scale up positive influence in the world if you have something valuable to say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so many connections between your books. <laughs> like like I said, yes, there, there is very yeah. clearly a connection between yeah, all these yeah. seemingly different topics I write about. Yeah. Now, you say that you feel like you were born 500 years too early, but um, actually, I think your whole... the whole purpose of the heroic and exceptional minority uh, is the fact that, yeah, maybe maybe some of us feel like we were born in the, the wrong time, but there's something that we can do about that, mm -hmm. right? 
like those little small actions that you can take every single day. You, you publish many books that have impacted some people. Uh, me, I don't know, doing stuff online, like the, the things that I do or educating or teaching people, uh, that definitely makes an impact. I think uh, each, if each and every single person uh, starts taking little actions towards progress, towards a better life, mm-hmm. then, uh, then we will definitely make a, a better future. Yes, you but you, yeah. you have to believe <laughs> in the viability of your actions to have that perspective. Otherwise, you're just going to kill yourself. If, if you are an idealist who is born into a world where you believe progress is impossible, things are always going to be this way, or they're always going to get worse, or nothing I can do can possibly make a difference, uh, you're not going to have any motivation to try anything. You might even become what I call in the book a villainous person, right? where you just want to tear the world down because you're so frustrated about how it works, right? And so you have to have enough hope and enough self-confidence in the viability of your actions that you do try to do something to improve things, and that's enough to sustain you throughout your life. Otherwise, you're going to be miserable. Right. You're not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think you co- uh, you quoted or said something like uh, each villain uh, starts out as a hero or something like that. Yes. Well, a certain yeah. variety certainly does. Like there, yeah. there are probably a lot of people who just love being evil. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know any of those people personally, but I'm sure they exist. Like truly just corrupted people in their minds who just love hurting people and causing destruction. They're, they're the exception, though. There are probably most of the people that we would call bad people, villainous people, either on a small scale or on a grand scale, the Hitlers of the world, are people who at least started with good intentions, like they wanted to make what they considered to be a positive impact upon the world. And either they were tricked in, into assessing what that actually meant to make a positive impact, or they grew, grew so frustrated that they felt like they needed to force things to happen a certain way because nobody could see things the way they did. Uh, if if we use Star Wars as an example, the two primary villains, I, I have no idea if you've seen Star Wars or not, but most people have, so they'll understand this analogy. Uh, the two primary villains of the story of Star Wars are Darth Vader and Emperor Palpatine. And if you know the story, Emperor Palpatine is the one who tricked Anakin Skywalker into becoming Darth Vader from changing to a heroic person into a villain by manipulating his weaknesses. But he started as somebody who wanted to do the right thing. And you can imagine from his perspective, even as Darth Vader, he thinks he is somehow bringing order to the galaxy and helping people, even though he's clearly Mm -hmm. enslaving people and he's clearly ruled by his anger and his sadness and his negative emotions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of course, I'm a Star Wars fan. Okay, so, good. Yes, then you understand. I, exactly what <laughs> I was worried you're just like, what? What is he talking about? And Who the people, people? <laughs> listening, I'm sure there's yes. lots of Star Wars fans out there. There are probably some that are listening that are like, oh no, Star Wars. I don't want to listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but the point I, of that of that example point. or any any popular media example is to look beyond the surface of of a movie about spaceships and wizards or or Lord of the Rings with with hobbits and orcs and whatever that's just the surface that's the veneer the important thing is the principle here what are these characters learning and how does that apply to real life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. can people turn to the dark side in real life absolutely many of my old friends have people i no longer talk to because i saw them change into a different kind of person right right yeah so gregory what is the hope that is driving you 
Oh, um, I'd really like to fall in love. That would definitely make my life a lot easier and a lot more hopeful. But I, I'm a very particular kind of person when it comes to romance. There's only a very specific kind of person that I'm compatible with. I've learned through experience. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> but, but that can't be the driving force of my life only, right? There has right. to be something uh, inherent and native within me. And that's bringing... I, I'm very passionate about education, as you can tell. That's the primary reason I write and do many of the other things I do. Uh, I like improving the way people think. And I know that that is viable, at least for a certain kind of person, that you really can profoundly change someone's paradigm, their whole worldview and the way they approach the world. And I'm hoping that's true even with things like, like the English lessons I give, for example. Um, will their lives potentially be better if they can speak better English? Absolutely. But more importantly than that, is it possible that they'll come away from this experience with me having a different approach to thinking about the concept of learning itself? that I can learn anything I want to if I just have the right kind of influences and I'm motivated enough. Can I do things that I once would have considered impossible or that almost everyone in this Armenian culture would say, no, don't do that, don't rock the boat. Yes, you're not that kind of person, just do things the way we do them. That's life-changing potentially and culture-changing in the long run potentially. That's the kind of thing that drives me. Right, right. Yeah, I, I can totally connect with that, with uh, especially with the education thing. Oftentimes, uh, whenever I'm teaching, even though I teach English, history, uh, oftentimes I will do the same thing and in, incorporate uh, lessons about how the person thinks, not just about the language that they're using, but how they actually think. And that, that I think that think and learn, of course, uh, that makes a big difference in their life. So, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, so uh, at one point in your book, you mentioned that like life, or actually I mentioned uh, here that life is like an emotional roller coaster uh, with many of the plateaus that we reach in our life. Uh, and life can become very comfortable. And then we just kind of get stuck in that plateau. Uh, mm. Sometimes we don't even realize it. And we're just living life comfortably. And then we get to this point in our life where, when we're just like, oh, man, I, uh, I'm not making any progress towards like anything. I'm just working my maybe working my nine to five. I get home and uh, just plop down on the sofa and then like do nothing else throughout the day. Work can give purpose, work can give progress, but sometimes work is dreadful as well. Depends on your job, depends on how much you love it, right? So uh, anyway, uh, you mentioned something about deliberate disruption or disrupt mm -hmm. your, your comfortable or your plateau deliberately. So can yeah. you give maybe a personal example or maybe an, maybe an example from elsewhere? what you mean by deliberate disruption? Because I well, think everything, it's a really important tool to use. Yeah, everything we do is essentially because we're unsatisfied in some way, right? Even if it's something very small, I'm hungry, I should go eat some food. And the, the effort I have to expend of going to the kitchen and, and making myself a sandwich and then eating it is to alleviate that dissatisfaction, that discomfort of being hungry, right? That's, that's something we all do multiple times every day. Uh, and then there are the larger, longer term, more 
philosophical or existential discomforts that motivate the larger actions we take that require longer term planning because not everything is simple as is as simple as I feel momentarily uncomfortable. Here's a thing that will make me feel momentarily better. I'm bored, so I will play a video game. I'm lonely, so I will talk to my friend. Uh, the more deep our dissatisfaction gets, the more it's capable of motivating these, I'm going to create something that no one has ever created before that will take years of my life to implement and but, but potentially have a very big impact and that will finally alleviate that discomfort I feel. And if you ever let yourself get too comfortable where you realize you're just living the same day over and over again and nothing is really changing on a systemic level, you're hungry, so you eat. You need to go to the bathroom, so you go to the bathroom. You're tired, so you sleep. You're lonely, so you talk to your friend. You're horny, so you have sex. Uh, when you fall into those patterns, you really just become like a machine person. You become an, an automaton where you're not introducing any novelty to your life, any original thought of how can I systemically improve my life as I define improving my life, which might include how do I change the environment around me in a way that will be important to me. So that's something you kind of have to be vigilant against because I feel like most of the world and probably even most self-help books too can be dangerous if they give advice that essentially amounts to make your life as comfortable as possible. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's told in this kind of pleasant self-empowering way like you deserve a self-care day you deserve to take a long luxurious bath and have beautiful friendships with everyone around you and a job you love that sounds like a great thing but that i and you do want those things you do want your life to be enjoyable you do want to to feel comfortable but it has to also be mixed with you doing things that are difficult because you're also uncomfortable about other things. Maybe take that long bubble bath at the end of the day because you did something that was difficult that day, but important, and you feel like you earned it because you did that thing, not just because I want to be as happy and comfortable all the time. I refuse to feel any discomfort. That's a very dangerous way of living to fall into. <laughs> I like that example. For sure. <laughs> a lot of, yeah, it's true. A lot of uh, books can kind of trap you in a way. If you, yeah, it's, totally it's like people them. are afraid to address the negative, but they don't realize that the negative is an essential part of the positive. It's, it's really mm -hmm. strange to me. Yeah. Although it does remind me of the, the book, what is it? Atomic Habits, uh, Habit Stacking. Temptation bundling. You said you do a, like something difficult, you feel accomplished. Okay, then you can treat yourself. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Because if uh, you only ever do difficult things, which a lot of people who are frustrated might like impose upon themselves, I need to be struggling more, I need to be working harder. Uh, that's just as unhealthy and bad as only trying to do comfortable things. You yeah. got to find whatever that balance is for you. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. Definitely. Cool. So, uh, Gregory, if if readers were to take just like one major point from your book, what would that be? Everything begins with introspection, trying to understand what kind of person you are and what's important to you. And I think that's really difficult to do if you haven't had enough of a variety of experience. How you get that variety is totally up to you, depending on your circumstances or what's important to you. 
travel helped me a lot, but that's not going to be what it is for everyone. I needed to see human life and society and, and the way the world worked. Uh, it can be anything for you, though. Whatever. That's how we figure out what is a principle, right? That we see enough incidental examples of ourselves, of life, and we start to say, wait, everything I've experienced, all these different circumstances for the last 20 years, uh, this has always remained true about me, right? This mm -hmm. principle. So maybe I can, I can make an informed decision that this must be important to me, because otherwise, why would it still be part of my life? Why would it still be in my consciousness all the time? Mm-hmm. And I, and I believe those values are probably just born in you and they can be activated so you can be reminded of them through different kinds of life experiences through an inspiring story. Um, but you should also be aware cultural influences that might try to implant values in you that aren't necessarily true to you to just to encourage conformity, whether that's religion, or some government program or just people living out their lives trying to enforce their traditions. Uh, those things can be useful if they remind you of something that is authentic to you. Uh, and, and great, cherish those things. But also, you should always be willing to ask, is this real to me? Or did I just adopt this belief system or these lifestyle habits? Because that's what everyone around me is doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, introspect. That's, that's my tip. <laughs> Never right. stop introspecting. Cool, cool. Yeah, definitely. I, I just want to say this right right away, right now, uh, for everyone that's still listening um, and watching this video. Uh, I forgot to mention it earlier that uh, the heroic and exceptional minority was on my top 10 list of 2021. So, uh, I mean, I read 58 books last year in 2021. And this book, definitely is one of the top tens out of the 58 book books that I read. So I really That's do hope that, yeah, yeah, definitely. I hope that, you know, the people watching this um, pick this up, you know, uh, it's an impactful book. I, I don't put just any random book on my top list, you know, so uh, it was very impactful. So I encourage everyone to pick up the book. Uh, I will definitely put links down in the description of this video and this podcast uh, to Gregory's website and Amazon and everything. So uh, pick it up. Definitely read it. It will, uh, it will make a big impact in your life. So uh, is there anything else that you would like to add to this episode, Gregory? Um, I think if you've listened to this whole thing, and you should know by now whether this is the kind of book that's going to speak to you. You know, <laughs> if, if what I've said or even just the title of the book is like, wow, yeah, that's that's what I've been looking for. Then go read the book. You'll probably like it. And if, if not, that's fine. You know, there are thousands of other books out there that will speak your language more. But yeah, I, I, it was my intention from the very beginning with this book to appeal very strongly to a very specific kind of person. And at least so far from the anecdotal feedback I've gotten from people who have read it, it's, it's accomplishing that function. Right. Yeah. None of us are forcing you to, to go and get it. I think Gregory said it uh, correctly that, hey, if it speaks to you, then go get it. Right. It's as simple as that. Uh, I can just vouch that, hey, it was impactful for me. I think it will be impactful for you. So, yeah. All right. So where can people find you and where can people get your book? And uh, yeah, 
if they have book questions is, for you, can they reach out to you? Yeah, of course. Uh, the book is on all major book retailers, Amazon or uh, Barnes and Noble or Kobo or whatever. Uh, subtitle is, I always forget my subtitles, A Guide to Mythological Self-Awareness and Growth. Uh, so heroic and exceptional minority, just search for that. If you want to talk to me, you could send me an email through my website, gregorydeal.net, deal is spelled D-I-E-H-L, or just contact at gregorydeal.net. I'm also on Facebook a lot too, so look me up there if you want. Cool. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much, Gregory, for coming on the show. Really yeah. appreciate it. I will include all the links for you in the description. So everyone watching, listening, check out those links. And uh, thanks for coming on, Gregory. Thanks for having me. Okay.